the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. You do get tired of winning. People say, oh, you never get tired. You do. You get tired of winning. You get tired of winning easily. You actually want competition in the end. You want to have to work Subscribe for it. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Welcome along. Something of an eclectic offering this evening. We'll be over to Dan McDonnell in Athens, two days out from yet another one of those defining nights for Stephen Kenny. This one, though, does feel very significant, it has to be said. Bullfighting is not something we talk about in the show too often, but it is on the menu come 8 o'clock this evening. We'll be over to Spain. And then this hour... We are going to check in on the Talchin Cup experience. So specifically, what do Carlos Dara Foley and Offaly's Anton Sullivan make of life in the Talchin Cup versus what was the bulk of their career without? So that's at half past seven. 53106 is the text number. You'll get us out of the ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy here in studio. Hello. Hey, Joe. I'll do Athens, I think Madrid and the Midlands of Ireland all have in common. Go on. No, just <laughs> five three one zero six. We're also uh, at off the ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick, hello to you, gentlemen. How are you? Very well. So uh, bullfighting, Richie. I don't know how much uh, bullfighting talk you've big fan encountered in recent times. So uh, interesting on a whole host of fronts. Just under two percent of Spaniards attended a bullfight in the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two season, according to culture ministry statistics. Although that said, it is a big country, and there were some twenty thousand. Uh, bull type uh, events in mm. one year not all of them are bull fights but bulls involved fiestas but uh, interestingly amongst the 2% that attended teenagers aged 15 to 19 were the most populous group so it's enjoying uh, something of a rejuvenation uh, amongst uh, younger people in Spain more so it must be said in um, rural areas as opposed to urban centres but uh, it had been in decline from about the 70s when a lot of the big uh, famous iconic bull rings were being shut down in the likes of Barcelona and Benidorm and uh, Santa Cruz de Tenerife and they've been reopened as shopping centres and nightclubs so you know if you're in Benidorm in a nightclub there's a chance it was once a bull ring Mm. I hadn't realised in 2018 the UN Committee on the Rights of uh, the Child said to Spain can you stop showing children bullfights? (laughs) And Spain yeah. said, no, we're still going to show them. Because they are on, um, certainly when there's a right-leaning government in particular, they're on public television, four or five o'clock in the afternoon, very much there if you're flicking through the channels. Maybe that's why the 15 to 19-year-olds want to go, a bit of rebellion. Yeah, perhaps. UN doesn't want us here, man. So we're going to talk to a brilliant uh, guest who is a freelance journalist over in Spain, and he'll explain to us the uh, current place of bullfighting in Spanish culture. Like 2% is a lot in the country as big as it Spain. It's a lot, yeah. You know, it's a lot of people. Yeah. There was a great piece a couple of months ago in the Irish Examiner by Colm Greaves who attended a bullfight. Now that lays it out in particularly grim form. Mm. I had obviously, I mean, we have a sense of matador, red blanket, way, way, and you assume the bull probably dies but you don't I, I don't think you think of it too much really do you? Yeah. yeah well so I hadn't realised just how regimented it is I mean yeah. this is like there is the prelude there is act one two and three and it's all very defined so in short Colin Grease's piece he describes it brilliantly and I won't uh, labour the point here by reading all of this but 
you know, bugle sounds, brass band enters, entourage, there are picadors on horseback, the parade crosses the arena, very theatrical fashion, uh, bows in very exaggerated form to the dignitaries who return their respect with a wave. And then Act One starts, Bull comes into the ring, uh, booking powerful 500 kilos of looming jeopardy. Matadors tempt him with uh, waved capes and then quickly retreat behind some barriers. This, uh, writes Column, is the only part of the game that the bull wins and the victory lasts for barely a minute. So then what happens, and if you're squeamish and if you don't want to hear about all this, maybe flick away for about the next 40 seconds. Then what happens is the mounted horsemen await, the picador, bull charges the horse, horse very skillfully I'm sure avoids bull but in the process the reward for the bull writes column is the sharp end of a lance to the shoulder then we have act two sharp barbed harpoons Uh, at least four of them are driven into the bull's neck by now the bull is bleeding heavily fading energy dripping scarlet and reddening the packed yellow sand beneath them and then we're into act three the bull stands still now in the centre of the ring, tired, focusing only on his one remaining enemy, the matador, who now emerges. Uh, he allows the bull to pass close several times, but easily dances around him. The spectators thrill noisily. The matador struts, the animal tires, his head a little heavier, a little closer to the ground. The final moments for the bull will see uh, the final moments the bull will see are thousands of white handkerchiefs waving in appreciation. The uh, final emotion, if the bull feels emotion, says the piece, will be loathing, loathing for the man before him, strutting dramatically, posing melodramatically, taunting, mocking, as he organises the final scenes in his three-act dance of death. The matador draws his sword, it's cold steel this time, Uh, the crowd silences, man lunges, and that is that for the bull, which is torturous, really, And, and it's no surprise, obviously, that this is very contentious in Spain. And I think over 50% of Spanish people want it done away with. There are protests outside uh, bull rings in Madrid, full of tourists as well. Obviously, it's a done thing for uh, tourists. One interesting thing I hadn't realised is if the bull, I don't, I'm, I'm using the wrong terminology here, I'm sure, is uh, seen to have fought bravely or, or um, earns a reprieve because of the performance, that bull never fights again. Uh, not because it's some kind of reward for the bull, but because they don't want the bull to have learned lessons about what happens here and to be more dangerous for the matador next time around. So uh, it's horrific stuff. Um, you, I mean, you talk, we'll talk to you in a bit more detail in the next hour. Mm. But uh, you've been to one of these in yeah. your teenage years, I haven't yeah, uh, realised. Yeah. On holidays when I was like 14, um, went to a bullfight. Didn't, honestly hadn't like thought it through. It was me and my mum. And we went like scorching hot day in the bull ring, you know, um, pageantry, circus, carnival style, volunteers from the crowd, little mini bulls running around, men on horseback, all fun and games. Mm. Good atmosphere, right? Bullfight starts. Again, all I really know is there's a main event here. There's going to be a full on matador. He's going to swing things. Like, I mean, my closest uh, encounter with a matador before that was like, the El Matador Tito Santana in wrestling in the <laughs> 1990s you know what I mean like I didn't know what it was really Richie McCormick loving that I know yeah it was for Richie I said it for Richie so. <laughs> I got that reference you know um, but like this was you know so here we go here's the main event and they do the woo 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 next thing like there's a you know a full on spear in the animal's back and you're like oh okay right a bit more graphic than I think it's funny it really registered to me which when you said the um the thing about like kids, the UN and, 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 and kids watching this because I did feel like 
I wasn't equipped for it, even as a 14, 15 year old, you know, Um, because it just went on and on. And the bull's energy fades. Mm. He has four or five spears sticking out of his back. He, in my opinion, watching it, you know, wants to lie down and die at this stage. He certainly doesn't want to fight anymore. And he's being teased and, uh, you know, like, yeah, teased into continuing to fight by a kind of a, like a performative matador and I'm just thinking like I I am witnessing an animal being tortured to death yeah. and it they talk about the atmosphere changing in my mind in my mum's mind everybody else around us is getting more and more excited yeah. so again I'll talk about it in a little bit more detail later yeah, on yeah. And, 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 and we'll we'll get into it but like the maddest thing is and they're talking about the, the kind of pageantry at the end and the you know the gift you receive or whatever it was I remember there was like we just happened to be of course like you know look at the Irish randomness we're there like sick I'd say we're green but everybody is around us is and, and the animal is dead and next thing the matador comes right over beside us because it happened that whoever the local dignitary was was sitting right beside us okay. so they came up to bow in front of this person and she gave him a rose and he accepted it, and this was all part of the pageantry. Mm. And I was like, oh God, this is not, are you in any way, is, are we the only pe- two people looking at this animal in here who's been tortured to death right in front of our eyes? And we were, we were yeah. the only ones, and that was just a culture issue. And again, I don't mean to be, I'm not being all righteousness on this, like I do accept that you grow up with these things, you yeah. become a little bit um, immune to them, you don't see them for what they are possibly, and maybe that's being a bit presumptuous on my part, but, for me, it was like I had no interest in seeing that. I It's etched into my memory, Joe. Yeah, I'll bet. Well, Guy Hedge goes on the way, so he'll talk to you about various aspects of this. It's interesting, even in Catalonia, they banned this 10 years ago and they did it under the kind of auspices of animal rights. But there was a degree of what is the most Spanish thing we can think of? Bullfighting. And so it's like culturally, let's try and move away. But there's a big push now to get it back in Catalonia. So all that's going on um, as well. So uh, that is on the way. Um, after 8 o'clock there is a text in from Eamon and Donegal the Talchon Cup or bullfighting which is the more gruesome spectacle (laughs) (laughs) it's a good text to be fair he says I joke I joke Um, somebody says I went to a bullfight a few years ago it was the most gruesome thing I witnessed at the end the bull had about seven spears in him before he bled to death I would think there are there is a quotient of shell shock tourists walking out at times who think do you know what like I mean he's just described exactly what I said that the text probably came in beforehand but the spears in the back thing is like as you're going it's like how many more of these are going to be sticking out of him you know the fight's going any any sense of a contest is so long gone you know it's only kind of a pretend idea anyway but it's so long gone and you're like this animal and he he kept the worst part was he just kept walking over to the corner of the ring on his own and lying down ah stop okay ah I can never forget it. Yeah, well, um, that chat's on the way. It's interesting as well. So the um, the matadors are still kind of pretty famous and glamorous people, you know, and you'll see them in Ola when you buy the magazine. Um, 100 grand a pop, Richie, per bullfight, and they'll have 40, 30, 40 fights a year. So it's big business for them still. Oh. Uh, you never had the pleasure, did you? Uh, no, thankfully not. And after hearing what Mick has described there, mm. I'm doubly grateful. It's not something that would ever... Uh, at a surface level even uh, appeal to me and uh, even listening to that is, is quite difficult to kind of comprehend the attraction yeah, of it I know and even 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 in a it's so choreographed even to come back to mix uh, wrestling and uh, analogy there with Tito Santana like it's so choreographed to the point that you know what's going to happen so even if this is your thing 
I don't know how it would garner repeat viewings. Mm. Um, totally but, agree. Like, but, 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 but underneath that all is, is just a disgusting nature. I, I think the answer to that dispassionately is that it isn't about the contest, it is about the performance and it is about the demonstration of it and people do that with different skills and with different move sets I would it's, imagine it's and everything like that yeah, I would so imagine they are yeah. judged by the way people watch they it they are because you know? it's, yeah. it's I, and we'll get into it later on but it, it's not for instance like is it a sport is it not is it art so it's not written about in the sports pages but it's like in the culture magazines alongside a review of the you know the, the new play in Madrid like there's you've got the theatre critic and the, the bullfighting critic who will review the latest Matador like I don't know sensation costumes good stage presence good uh, I don't know what bad that kind of a thing so yeah. uh, that is um, that is on the way I mean it should be a very interesting conversation I would think we've Dan McDonald after nine and we're talking Talshan Cup this hour we should get into the news round Richie it is as ever with thanks to Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition is available now so it's that time of year again Oh, it is. Uh, who's ready for some championship structures? Uh, the Heineken Champions Cup has a new pool form- format, and as expected, it will be four pools of six. However, there's caveats galore. Uh, among them, teams from each country will be kept apart in the pool stage, with a maximum of two teams from the one league in a pool. So the URC sides, for the most part, will be kept apart. Teams will have four pool fixtures against four different opponents, with two at home and two away. The top four in each pool will progress to the last 16, while the fifth-place teams will parachute into the Challenge Cup knockout phase. Leinster are left hoping for a favour from La Rochelle if they're to be confirmed as one of the top seeds for next week's draw. As Ronan O'Gara's side are already guaranteed top seed status as defending champions, then Leinster and not the top 14 finalists to lose will take the remaining top tier spot available. That's if La Rochelle win in Saturday's final. I don't have a strong take on this just yet. The general refrain I saw from people on Twitter was not enough jeopardy in the group stages. Nope. Four of six go through. Is there, a, is there a pool aside from the Munster Hurling Championship there's just still three of five is there a competition out there that's cutthroat enough for us like if there's the, the, you know this is the first year of the Munster Hurling Championship that's been brilliant where four of the teams have performed to their level yeah. as opposed to three yeah. and it's been a straightforward so even that even that so we need fun. more Jeopardy Joe yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next couple of days. I think the draw is next week. So maybe we'll get a sense then when we look at the groups and you say four from those six. Oh, that works. Or, oh, that really doesn't work. That might be the best way to, time to judge it. The um, Well, I mean, he's had an eventful 10 days. I suspect a lot of stress. And I, I by the way, I don't know what the uh, medical issue is. But uh, Jay Monaghan is a man who's come to the attention of the world in the last week or so, Rich, and not yeah, good cool. news. Could well be ingrown toenails for all we know, but under fire commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monaghan has stepped away from his day-to-day running of the group on health grounds. He is recuperating from a medical situation, they say, one week after the shock merger, with not a merger, uh, with the controversial Saudi-backed Live Golf. The tour said it would provide updates as appropriate. We um, have a bumper US Open preview ready for you on Patreon via Golf Weekly if you want to get stuck into that I saw Park Harrington said that and this is I love the USO I love when the US Open is unplayable it doesn't sound like this is going to be no. but uh, it'll still be exciting yes. Park Harrington said it's going to be one of the slowest rounds of golf ever played and I'm like if that's coming <laughs> from Park Harrington I'm worried about this especially with West Coast time Joe pace of play is going to be very slow just the nature of the course there'll be lots right. of waiting and there are like the, in short like there are a bunch of drivable par fours for instance right. then you got to clear the green and go again and all that kind of stuff and it's um, wonderfully kind of quirky 
Like it's going to be spectacularly interesting if you're into your golf because the golfers will have to make so many choices. It's not just a case of giving my driver 14 times and I'll play mm. the par threes. It will be uh, really varied. Some players think you have to lay up on that par four. Others think you've got to drive it. So someone's going to be right, someone's going to be wrong, but it'll be slow as hell. Okay. You'll be there at 4am. Sorry, I'll be there at 4am. You'll be there. <laughs> um, Are you still doing live coverage of the final round, the next one? Uh, we, you know, we kind of do that as like a watch-along thing, uh, yeah. more so in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning. So you're, you're ignoring the crux of one of the big four tournaments of the year oh, just yeah. so you can greedily get some sleep, Joseph. No, no, I'll be up. I'll be up and then uh, we'll have a review pod on the Monday morning. So, um, well, look, Rich, I don't need to tell you all this. You know. Um, <laughs> I know. So, good news. Um, the trend with attendances post-COVID in the League of Ireland is going in one direction. Yeah, it's smashing this. Attendances in the SSE or Tristy Premier Division are up 23% on the same stage last year. 349,867 have passed through top flight turnstiles this season, compared with just over 283,000 at the same number of games last term. The only club not to show an increase are Dundalk, whose attendances have actually fallen by 4% so far this season. Very interesting, this. In that, for like the previous decade or two, and probably forever, people would have said things like well unless the league is promoted unless the league is on TV unless facilities improve etc and all of those things I'm sure still stand to some degree or other maybe particularly facilities but attendances won't grow Mm. and in spite of none of those things really happening Rich attendances have grown it's like this kind of underground movement in some some ways of like if if you're all going to ignore the league we don't care it's attracting a lot of people nonetheless anytime I watch it I have to say lately it's become this really technical young man's league as well I mean the, the yeah. fair on offer is is really good really watchable now what's your sense of why it's improved um, I, I just think generally there's good mood music around it yeah it, 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 it's perception has improved it's seen as a more uh, real uh, and close to home uh, enjoyable experience whereas other sporting endeavours might necessarily not be like anecdotally just going through my Instagram Friday night uh, you see people who wouldn't ordinarily go to well I see football people who wouldn't go to ordinarily go to football matches at all uh, pitching up at League of Ireland grounds and that's Tala that's Daily Mount uh, it's been Richmond Park it's been Talca it's been down at Turner's Cross like it, it, there are people going to games that haven't before and I think that's being reflected in these figures today and again I, like it is a better product on the pitch um, than it has been for the past 10-15 years certainly yeah. um, again it's a more tangible real thing for people than it has been before uh, some of the facilities haven't like we have to point to talent say some of the facilities have improved again generally across the board and, and Dundalk is probably the standout case of that they haven't um, but everybody's kind of seeing the benefit from it and, and long may it continue really it's all self-fulfilling as well like I'm, I like I always hear about like uh, a few of my friends Bose fans and like Jesus, it's hard to get a ticket at the moment you know like as in like it's sold out all the time you want to be really organised to be going to a game in Daily Mount if you're not a season ticket holder and it's like that, that feeds down that becomes an exciting thing then it becomes like a show in town that you want to go to so all of that stuff is important and it does feel so like I think what's interesting about what you're saying there Richie about those stats mm. is actually the second part of it which is that every club has grown other than Dundalk, Dundalk because Cork yeah. coming into the league is coming back into the league is going to be a natural bump and it probably jumps those yeah. figures a little bit but it, the fact that it's growing everywhere and the fact that also last year was very positive yeah. this isn't coming yeah. this isn't from a, off a, a bad year a, a, off yeah. a bad year exactly yeah yeah no that's true Joe no golf what's the crack says the texture I, know, I, was, I was voted down well <laughs> you weren't <laughs> well look let's not we, we're going behind the scenes a lot this week but that's not true uh, 
you won't be on the show though for talking about the golf for the rest of the week you'll be only on golf weekly so you have to pick a winner right now or I'll give you till the end of the news round if you want okay um, lots of texting and bullfighting James and Mayo is what I'm taking from your bullfighting discussion that we want the bull to win more uh, certainly without <laughs> some jeopardy no we don't we'll get into that later but uh, no like there, is, there was a, it, and it's on YouTube in very full vivid high definition camera it was a Matador killed about 10 years ago by a bull that is not what we want either that was it's like it's shocking uh, what do we want um, I don't know in a perfect maybe, world maybe we don't see the need for this sport technically not, or yeah. whatever it is uh, to do it without killing the bull or torturing the bull is being it? honest in the moment if I'm being truly honest about my feelings I 100% wanted the bull to win for a moment or two do I, did I actually want that man to die in front of me? I think that would have been even more traumatic. Of course not. But in the moment when you're seeing this animal being tortured in front of you, mm. you wanted a little bit of fight back. Holy SH1T, Joe. I never knew any of those details. Horrendously horrific. Not even a fair fight. Jesus, the poor bull. Oh, how brave we are as humans is a texture. Lads, did you see Jack Grealish is already back in England training? That is some going with the week he's had, says Will and Kildare. <laughs> I sorry, did you see when he was like, in his full kit obviously maybe everyone see this because I haven't talked to anybody about it so it was like the next morning uh, at like I think it was like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning broad daylight sun shining and the city fans are city players are celebrating somewhere it must have been at the airport or something and Grealish is like head to toe in his jersey shorts yeah. his uh, his socks the whole shebang like the one I saw flip flops was the only difference from what he was wearing on the pitch well the one I saw and I like I don't have a timeline on how they packed all this in but it's morning time and Kyle Walker is helping him. He's it's, he's in Ibiza. <laughs> been like carried out somewhere from a hotel or something. This might have been the day after. Yeah. I don't know when they did the Ibiza thing. I mean, the shots of him where he's got his top off in the rain, where he's got his arms That's spread great. like Jesus. I mean, it is iconic. He does enjoy... Uh, he, he makes Manchester City winning championships slightly more bearable, I have to say, because yeah. his, his celebrations have been iconic for two years in a row now. I did see there was some tweet, gazillion likes, saying, like, Manchester City spent £100 million on Jack Grealish to fill the void of the rest of the team when they actually win things. <laughs> Something to that effect. Um, the answer to increased tenses is simple. Cork City are back in the league and that's boosting numbers, says Mossy on YouTube. Yeah, we acknowledge that a touch, but I think it is bigger than that, Mossy. You would yeah, no, it is. Like, I have the figures open here. It's like Rovers are up 5%, so they're not even one of the biggest percentage increases. Pats are up 19, Bows up 30, Cork up 24%, Derry up 7, Shells are 5, uh, Sligo 22, Dundalk is to say down 4, Drogs, like, they're up 39%. It's one one three six four to one eight nine six uh, on average, and even UC posting an increase as well bless them so yeah it's 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 across the board only two clubs in the first division as well um, with minus figures in that too so it's it's good news all around yeah not shocked by your next story uh, who called this one by the way did you I might have done uh, Brendan Rogers is it's on the verge of return to Celtic I know yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I said uh, that Brendan Rogers should go to Spurs and Richie said now Angel go to Spurs and Rogers will go back to Celtic and this is about I would say a month ago okay Sorry, Rich, go ahead. Sorry. Scottish champions are on the hunt for a new manager, as you mentioned there, following Ange Postacoglu's departure to Tottenham. Rodgers won the treble in back-to-back seasons at Celtic during his initial reign. He left, of course, for Leicester. So your story says on the verge. Is this like widely reported this is happening? Yeah. 
Is it? Wow. Yeah, Guardian, Guardian came out with it last night and there's been I, multiple other well-sourced people who've pretty much said the same. He's apparently pitched uh, a, a, a course for them through Europe and to make them a contenders in Europe once again. That's impressed the board there. So how much of that will come true? So Brendan Rodgers left Celtic and Celtic in the middle of a treble season. Celtic fans weren't exactly too pleased with it. True. I did also read this morning that Leeds possibly have their eye on him and might make a late offer to lure him away from going back to Celtic I don't think he would be forgiven a second time would he? You have to take Celtic over Leeds don't you? In the Championship? Yeah Championship for one season anyway yeah but who knows mm. I, I I don't really care but I think it would be funny if he <laughs> if he was on yeah. the verge of joining Celtic again and then That's Mo Johnston type stuff where he's like he's yeah. agreed to go and suddenly pitches up somewhere else well yeah it looks like it's only going one way Okay Jude Bellingham then he's going to be presented as a Real Madrid player tomorrow the midfielder has signed a six year contract at the Bernabeu as of today after Real paid Borussia Dortmund 103 million euro that figure could reach 134 million based on various add-ons his brother is also on the move today with Job Bellingham swapping Birmingham City for Sunderland okay Uh, last couple of stories so James Milner and then uh, well there's a whole host of Chelsea all the Chelsea stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, Brighton confirming the capture of James Milner today the 37 year old was out of contract at Liverpool where he'd spent the past 8 seasons Milner's arrival follows the confirmation as well today of João Pedro signing from Waterford or from Watford even pardon me not Waterford <laughs> uh, Arsenal have entered that would be something Arsenal have entered the race to sign Kai Havertz from Chelsea it's believed the German striker would command a fee of around 80 million euro Bayern Munich 80? also interested nah. yeah he's still only young he's only like 22 or 23 20, but 20 he's not an 80 million pound player I think for what we've he's, seen he's a really classy player he's, not he's got a couple of years left in his contract though, and that's goals. the thing and Chelsea are looking to recoup so okay. yeah you couldn't blame them uh, Chelsea meanwhile have rejected an opening bid of £40 million from Manchester United for defender from midfielder Mason Mount uh, meanwhile Chelsea remain open to allowing Romelu Lukaku return to Inter on loan next season Lukaku has reportedly rejected an offer from Saudi Arabian club Al-Hilal to join them this summer Inter representatives also want to take Alibu Koulibaly on loan from Chelsea and Chelsea have led the tributes today to former player and manager John Hollins who's died at the age of 76 he made more than 500 appearances for the Blues over two spells managed them as well in the mid-80s and following a sacking by Chelsea Hollins played one game for Cove Ramblers in 1989 when he was aged 42 Okay We are out of time Richie thank you Nice and lads Michael thank you very much Victor Hovland nice.